I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the home field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly. Hello, everyone. It's time to eat, drink, and be merry with your host, Lisa and Nancy. Well, if you want to eat, drink, and be merry and do it in a very big way, you better go to the Lone Star State. I mean, everything in Texas is big, and apparently the state is big on wine. And so we're having a little party on today's Big Blend Radio, second Friday food, wine, and travel show with the International Food, Wine, and Travel Writers Association. We love second Fridays, and this October series, we're having like a whole festival. Uh, We get excited because we get to chat with wine writers, food writers, travel writers, uh, also, the destinations every second Friday and today, of course, we have so many uh, segments airing, and uh, we're going to go to Texas. So, if, I mean, like I said, this is a big show day, and so we have to do Texas. Uh, we're going to get to know all about Texas wine, and our guest is uh, IFTWA, that's what we say for the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association. Uh, IFTWA member is Shelly Wilfong. She is the creator and host of the podcast. This is Texas Wine. She's also a wine writer. I encourage you to go to her website, txwinelover.com, and she's got an awesome article. You can read it now on blendradioandtv.com, all about getting to know Texas wine. So welcome, Shelly. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, you know what? I think we should be sitting and having wine with you right now. So you're in the Dallas area, right? That's correct. I live in Dallas. Oh, okay. So do you have like tasting rooms in downtown Dallas that we could have, we could have met you in? <laughs> Maybe we will soon. You never know. Yes. Where we yeah, go. There are tasting rooms all, all over the state of Texas. So pretty much wherever you go, you'll, you're sure to find a tasting room um, throughout the state. Now some you'll find a vineyard right near the tasting room and some are more like urban tasting rooms. Um, but we do grow grapes all across the state and there are over 400 tasting rooms in the state of Texas as well. Well, This is interesting because I mean, obviously Texas is so big, but um, Nancy and I've traveled back and forth over Texas a lot and you've got the hill country, then you've got like high desert and you've got swampy, swampy Texas, you know, like Houston, Beaumont, and then even up in the East Texas areas. It seems that you have such a diverse topography. Is that what helps Texas wine growers is that you can be different in different places in the state. Yes, there are all kinds of different growing regions in the state. There are actually eight different primary growing regions in Texas. They're called American Viticulture Areas or AVAs. Mm -hmm. So there are eight across the state and there are about 75 to 80 percent of our grapes for um, wine is grown up in what's called the Texas High Plains. And that is around the city of Lubbock. I know you've been up to Lubbock and mm-hmm. perhaps you've seen the large vineyards there. So about 75 or 80% of our grapes are actually grown out toward Lubbock. What makes that a special wine growing region is that it's at a high elevation. So it's very flat out there. 
but it's at an elevation of about 3,000 to 3,500 feet. And what that does is it gives the grapes um, enough nighttime coolness that they're able to, you know, it is hot in Texas, sure, but because of that elevation, they cool off at night, and that preserves the acidity in the grapes, and winemakers just love that. So mm. although that's where the grapes are grown, like you, you mentioned, the, the hill country area, and that's more in the center part of the state, and that's really the tourism capital of the state. So many of the grapes are grown out in Lubbock, and then they're actually trucked into the hill country in central Texas, four, five, or six hours away, and they're made, the, the wine is actually made there. And so when you go to the Texas hill country, um, that is where you may go down for a nice weekend and spend several yeah. days doing some wine tasting. You can also do that out in Lubbock. But the majority of the wineries are actually in the hill country. Okay, so we need to go back to Lubbock is what you're saying. <laughs> we need to go to yes, the hill country. there are some great wineries out there, too. Some of the most historic wineries that really started the Texas wine industry are out in the Lubbock area. It's interesting we've been making also, wine here for a long time. Yeah, because you were saying that um, you've been growing grapes. The state has been growing grapes since around the 1650s with the Spanish missionaries. We were talking about that in your article. And what's interesting for us is we've been kind of trailing a little bit of the El Camino Real de los Tejas. It's a national historic trail. And it was like the, the Spanish trail. It's a Royal road of the Spanish, but also the native American uh, from way back when. So even more in ancient times and, you know, Nacogdoches area and South of that, it goes all the way through Austin down to San Antonio. And to me, that's like interesting because you know, they were coming up there. So were those the first, was that the first, you know, influx of grape growing came from maybe that trail even? And people are coming. You Perhaps. have a lot of historic trails, Perhaps. though. Yeah, you have a lot. Certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to even try to think of all of them right now because there's a lot. Because Texas, listen, when you go to Texas, like every mile, not even, there's another historic site. You guys know how to preserve your history more than any place I've ever been. It's like we have a site well, for every so. place that history happened and um <laughs> you guys are protecting that. It's it's cool. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you appreciate that. That's that's nice. No, yeah, it's really cool. Um so wine does grow in Texas and this is another cool thing I'm so glad you're on the show about because I think we always immediately go to oh California, you know, no offense to California wines. We love them. But I think it's really great we grow wine in all 50 states, even Alaska. And um, so to know about Texas wines is a very cool thing. Uh, I wanted to ask you about your background. So, you know, as we talk about Texas wines, what got you started in wine? Because I know you're a specialist of Texas wine through the Texas Wine School. You're a certified specialist of wine through the Society of Wine Educators. You are the Level 3 Advanced Award from the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. La, 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 there's a whole la, la, la list of what you're doing with wine. What got you started? (laughs) Well, I've been interested in wine for a long time. And to tell you the truth, I didn't start out always loving Texas wine. But Texas wine has undergone a real transformation over the past maybe 10 or 15 years. And we do have a long history of grape growing. But Texas grape growers kind of started off perhaps growing the wrong types of grapes for Mm. our climate. And so – they were growing maybe some of the same varieties that they were growing on California and the grapes just didn't always work for our climate. And um, so, the, and they maybe were overusing oak at times and the wines 
were a, a bit too sweet for my palate, perhaps. And I just wasn't a fan of Texas wine when I first started drinking them, um, you know, 20 or more years ago. So I started drinking wines of California, wines from around the world, and I was fascinated by wine in general. And so I did start getting various certifications and I was interested in traveling to wine growing regions and so forth. But then over the past 10 or so years, I realized, wow, Texas wines are changing. This is an interesting industry. And so I got very curious about what was going on in my own backyard. And so I did take the class that is a specialist in Texas wine. I got to know what was going on here in Dallas. There's actually an ABA just north of where I live on the Texas-Oklahoma border. Started traveling Mm. down to the hill country more, talking with growers. I started writing about Texas wine for the website that you mentioned, Texas Wine Lover, which is a very big website that has everything from Mm. travel reports to interviews with winemakers. Um, I didn't start that website, but I'm a freelance writer for them. So it's just an exciting time to be interested in Texas wine because we're growing, doing all kinds of innovative things with different kinds of grape varieties. So my interest in wine is kind of vast, but lately I have been specializing in Texas wine, and I realized that I like to talk to people about wine, and what I've known the best is what's been in my backyard all along. That's and amazing. Then through this, yeah. I was, was going to say, team. so everybody knows <laughs> that your podcast, because you interview you know, winemakers and everyone is this is texaswine.com. So everyone needs to know that so they can follow you and keep up with that because that's, that's really cool because you do the podcast, but you also, don't you also help wineries with writing and do content writing for them too? Um, I haven't helped wineries per se, but I've been writing just freelance writing for um, txwinelover.com, which is the big mm-hmm. uh, Texas winery site and um, all about kind of Texas wine tourism and wine and et cetera. Um, And just doing some freelance writing on my own. Um, So I've been just Mm. kind of figuring out what I want to do in the Texas wine industry, but podcasting has become a big part of it because I've really enjoyed that. I started that fairly recently, but it's kind of just become a lot of fun and I've sure enjoyed um, where that's taken off. Yeah, I think, and that I think you know what's interesting is there's a whole website dedicated to it. It's your podcast is dedicated to it. So there's obviously a lot going on. How many wineries would you think there are across the state? There are over 400 wineries in Texas. So we're we are wow. have about the same number as New York, and we're just behind. Obviously, California has the most. They have over 4,000 wineries. Um, and then Oregon has the next most, and Washington, they both have around 800. And then New York and Texas are just behind that. So, And we're also oh. the fifth most in wine production. So California makes about 85% of the wine in the U.S. And then we're in fifth place in Texas. So we, we don't export a lot of wine because Texans drink most all the wine that's produced in the state. And what we well, need is actually – yeah, exactly. <laughs> And there are a lot of us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but we just need more. We have plenty of space. We have land. We just need more farmers to grow more grapes. Yeah. You know, to me, you do have a lot of land. And in Lubbock, there's a lot more land out there. Going, I'm, We drove yes. from Lubbock to Arkansas. 
And I'm like, there's a lot of land out here that they could be, you know, when you were talking about Lubbock and wine country, I'm like, hey, wait a minute. There's a lot of wine country that could be developed out there. It was my immediate thing. So I'm glad you brought that up. So you think that that is something, because, you know, it's interesting with COVID and it's interesting how wineries handled that. And I, you know, I don't know about Texas, but a lot of the wineries um, that we managed to go to up in Colorado and even in Pennsylvania this year, they did, you know, online wine tastings. They did, you know, their wine club could come and pick up wine at the, you know, at the door kind of thing. Um, So everything was really different. But I think also when, you know, real estate has changed immediately, they're seeing that, you know, house sales are still being, it's still happening. Real estate is still going on this year. And I know a lot of people are bailing California and Denver and really the big cities that are so compact and trying to get out and get into areas with wide open space. And um, especially with people being able to work at home. But I'm wondering now if how many people are going to start looking at like Texas land and go, there's land here and we could develop and do the winery finally. I think, I don't know, COVID, we've had so many changes that we're all kind of looking at what do we want to do in life because it kind of made us look at how life is short too. So Right, and because we don't have to necessarily live where we work. We could, in a lot of cases, work anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, Texas, COVID has brought a whole host of challenges for Texas wineries because we have been shut down for quite some time. And a lot Mm -hmm. of wineries have been kind of lumped into the same category category as bars. And so unless they can offer kind of a full menu of, of restaurant items to be considered as a restaurant, a lot of them have been closed um, for many months. And so although a lot of them are doing great direct-to-consumer business, um, you know, the smallest of them, they're, they're just really struggling. Often Texas wineries are known for having these great member pickup parties and, you know, events on the lawn and live music, and they're big into hospitality and events, and those things are just shut down. So mm. the whole fall season, you, you know, usually in the spring we have a wildflower season and festivals and we call them passport events where over a course of several weekends, folks would come in at, you know, really big tourism events and those things are shut down. And then all summer long we were shut down and now into the fall and things were still shut down. So it's, uh, it's been a real hard time and restaurants, mm-hmm. of course, um, those wineries that are selling wine through restaurants are also suffering in that way. So it's a hard time, although the one bright spot is that people are really supporting their local wineries, And like you said, going and picking up curbside and because they're eating at home more, they're going and just getting a case of, of wine to enjoy at home. So mm-hmm. there are bright spots. And I think that the whole movement toward kind of eating more, more um, closer to home and closer to, you know, knowing your farmer, knowing your bread baker, knowing the farm where the eggs are from that, you know, and the, the meat that you buy and so forth. Um, that maybe also goes to who, who's making your wine. So yeah. That's a, a yeah. little bit of a, a bright spot. I love that. I love that. You're really right. I think it's so important that we know because it, it, the winemaking is such a hard thing to take on. Um, I know, you know, from, you know, going to all the wineries, interviewing all the winemakers and, writing stories about them 
that you don't just open a winery and go, oh, I'm growing grapes and quick, look, I got wine. It is such a process. It's an art, but it's also, it's like art and farming and agriculture and nature and science all come together in one place. And then some of them are having events. You got music going on and it's like weddings and it is such a big deal. And it's a really cool part of our tourism makeup, you know? So with you being part of, um, the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association. That's really cool because what you're doing... Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Is bringing all these Texas wineries into an international market, with obviously with your podcast, but you know, I think that's what's really cool about you being part of that membership is letting people know and all the other writers too, getting to know the Texas wines through you. So yes, I'm a can... fairly new member of that organization and there are several of us in the Dallas area. So several new members, in fact, in the Dallas area. And so we've talked about doing a little Dallas meetup because a few of us know each other, but we, we don't all know each other. So oh. it's a fun connection to make. And so I look forward to being able to connect with the different wine writers from different regions across the U.S. and really across the world. It's a yeah. new organization. I look forward to getting more involved in it. Um, mm. But since I'm so new, I'm just kind of getting my feet wet. Well, I think this is a cool introduction. I dig this. I'm like, I want to come see you in Dallas when we get up there. I'm like, we, well, who knows where we're going to be when, but um, it would be so cool to, I know uh, also Penny Sadler's up there and she'll be in our show yes. next, next month. And um, she keeps saying, where, where are you going? I'm like, well, we're going through here. And she's like, why are you going there? No, you go here. <laughs> she's been really cool just communicating over the last few months because we were traveling through Texas and she's like, what are you doing there? What do you do? She wants to know where we're going. And it's, it's, you know, Texas is a big state. So there's all these, you know, multiple experiences and wine being a makeup. I think it's really great that you're letting people know about it. Um, one of the things I wanted to touch on is the varietals. Um, Cabernet, you talk about, you know, a lot of reds. There are white wines, but you talk about Tempranillo, Cab, Cab uh, but also you said that Morvedre is coming up. And that is my absolute favorite. That is my, like, oh, when I read that in your article, I'm like, oh, we're going back to Texas. I'm so happy. Yes, well, you'll have plenty of choices. You will. You'll have plenty of choices because people are utilizing it as as a single varietal and in blends and even as a rosé. Have you ever had a rosé of more vetra? That's an option here, too. Oh, and you like rosé. That's your thing. And, And I think with everyone... You know, it's, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, rosé, you know, Thanksgiving yes. and holidays. That's a nice mm-hmm. light, you know, because we all like to have midday drinking, too, during the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I'm just saying. So that's going to work. But, yeah, so rosé, Morvedre. But, yeah, I don't know. I've heard about it. I don't think we've had a rosé from a Morvedre. I would remember that. That would be you know, I find that the, the only unfortunate thing is that I find that Texas rosés are a little bit hard to find at retail, and I think it's because they sell so well out of tasting rooms that they're not distributed as much. 
And so mm. you might have to go to the wine directly to the winery to find those. I don't That's see them though. as often at retail. Yeah, I yeah. think they just are, sell like hotcakes because every, I mean, who doesn't like a rosé in Texas? Dude, that's I'm like, dude, I'm like immediately yes, because it's like set outside on the porch. You know, do you call it porch or veranda, patio? What do you call it in Texas? Patio, all, all the above. Yeah. Okay. Not veranda, but porch or patio. No. Pat, yeah, you want to sit outside. Some of us drink sweet iced tea, and some of us drink rosé. I'm going for the rosé. <laughs> that you for know. Sure. That's some of my favorite memories of Texas is sitting out mm-hmm. and just yeah having that wine and enjoying it, but uh, the white wine is still a big deal, too, in Texas. Yes, and there's some fun varieties that are a bit less familiar in Texas, so uh, if you're if you're used to drinking a Chardonnay, something you might enjoy in Texas is Roussan, something from, the, mm. from France. Um, Texas does a really nice Roussan or perhaps a Viognier, um, or mm. if you want something really racy and acidic, try a Picpoul Blanc. It's also grown in France. It's a little more unusual, but it's a really got a nice racy acidity. It's a great pairing with seafood. Um, there's, and then, of course, the most common white grape in the state is called Blanc de Bois, and it's a hybrid grape variety. So it's not Vitis vinifera like all the rest of these grapes that we've been talking about, um, but it is a lovely grape that you can make into a dry wine, a sweet wine, a sparkling wine. It's very versatile. And, and quite tasty. It actually originated in Florida, kind of in a lab, because it's a really? hybrid grape. So, yeah, so there are so many interesting things. Don't be scared if you have never heard of some of these varieties before. You know, branch out and try something new while you're in Texas. That's exactly it. It's exciting to me. It's like, oh, there's something I haven't tasted. Give me. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. I want to try it, you know, because it's – You never know until you try. The only – sad thing to me about wine and I always talk about this is then once you find that bottle of wine that wine that you really love you know it's never going to stay there like you'll never going to get it's just it's going to go because you know every year is a different crop and so you really have to savor your wine and that's why you need to do it on the porch (laughs) just relax that's true you know or at a winery just relax and really enjoy that wine because you could really, really enjoy that wine, but and get it if you find that, buy it, buy the case if you can, and um, because then it's going to be gone, and that's the sad thing for me. But the exciting thing is finding new ones. But it it is that um, savor moment. I think we've kind of learned that this year. It's it's important to savor good things, and wine, like we were it's saying, the, the, the winemakers going too bad i mean yeah if we can help all the small businesses too right so that's the other thing with texas wine is you're helping small business so okay i want to ask you this if you're going to go on a picnic i have this cool thing called a portavino i have bags that you can stash wine in and go hiking with right and if you're going to go on a picnic and take a bottle of wine who would you go with like anyone, it could be any, it could be Einstein, anyone. They could be alive or passed on. Who would you take on that picnic? What wine would you take, and where would you go in Texas? Like I want the full Texas Ooh. experience. Yeah, the full Texas experience. Yeah. Oh, well, and food. Let's okay. Talk about food. Is it going to be barbecue? You guys have everything though. You got good grits and biscuits and. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'm well, does, like, it have oh, to, like... does it have to survive the picnic? <laughs> well, the it probably wouldn't be good. Can... Yeah, you, you got you got an hour to get to the picnic spot. You can keep it hot or cold. We got things for that. Okay, I'm I'm kind of like a I like fresh seafood, so I'm probably gonna go with. I'm starting with the food because that's just how I roll. But I'm gonna go with like a, a nice fresh fish taco, perhaps, mm. and um, something just you know real fresh and with a corn tortilla and a squeeze mm. of lime. And um, to pair with that, I'm probably going to go with a nice, crisp Albarino because Texas does Albarino well. There's not a ton of it in the state, mm. but what we do have is lovely, and it has a nice minerality but enough weight in the body that it's um, just a, a nice pairing um, that I really enjoy. And where am I going to go? I'm going to go to a place outside. It's near the hill country called Enchanted Rock. Which you may have heard of or been to no. if you've been around the hill country. Um, no. it's a, yeah, you'll have to check that out next time you're down there um, outside of Fredericksburg. So that's okay. a fairly moderate to challenging hike, day hike. You need to get a pass ahead of time, especially during COVID. They're um, limiting visitors up there, but haven't done that in years. But I think that would be a great hike. Now, don't go in August, I will say. Save that for a bit cooler weather. Yeah. Um, especially if you're carrying fish tacos, because that's not going to be a lunch that you're going to enjoy um, <laughs> if you're hiking several hours. <laughs> and who would I go with? Well, I would love to say my family, but if I'm going to give a more um, interesting answer, they can, yeah. can be there too. They can be there. Okay. We're, we're not mean here. Okay. Family is everything. Yeah, right. I would love to go and have, have my family actually enjoy it because every time we try to hike, I have two teenage daughters, and mm. they don't always enjoy the hiking. They're not the most, you know, agreeable hikers, usually because we start too early in the morning. So I would just love to go and have everyone get along. That would be my goal. Ah, but nobody that you would want to say bring them here as a special guest with the family? Oh, that's tricky. I know. You could bring anybody. I think, well, because I'm about, we're about to next year send my oldest off to college. So I think I'll oh, just keep so you want a big family. One yeah, you want your family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. Fish tacos. Yeah. And I'm with you on the corn tortillas, by the way. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. It, right now we're we're like more on the east side of the country. And I was so scared about going to the Midwest and the East side because I was worried about tacos and avocado because that's important. Oh. You mm-hmm. know, that's part of the Southwest like palette. You, and, but I've been okay. We've been, we've been fine, but um, it's really cool to hear all about these wines. Um, when people plan a trip, you sent us a really cool PDF of a map that is very good for people. Um, just for everyone knows that you talk about Fredericksburg any other destinations people should look at going if they're planning a Texas wine trip? Well, you can anywhere that you happen to be, you can find interesting wine around you. So if you're out in Lubbock, you definitely should see these vast vineyards where most Texas grapes are grown for wine. But if you are out in the far um, 
western edges of Texas towards El Paso. There are some of the most historic um, parts of our wine culture out there. The first vineyards in Texas from the Spanish missionary oh. times are out there. So, um, and really, they're even outside of our AVAs, there are interesting vineyards um, near Comanche up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, out in East Texas, where there, there are no AVAs, but there are also beautiful vineyards out in that part of the state. So if you have any trouble finding where you want to go, you should visit, um, either send me a message or look on the Texas, um, Texas Wine Lover site and find a destination, and it'll tell you all about where, what you should do once you get there. <laughs> Excellent. So everyone, that's TXWineLover.com. But also to keep up with Shelly's podcast, it's ThisIsTexasWine.com. And we want to give a big shout out also, again, to the International Food, Wine, Travel Writers Association. Every second Friday is dedicated to food, wine, and travel. We're always excited to chat with, uh, you know, food, wine, travel writers and podcasters like Shelly as well. Um, and find out all these destinations we need to go and explore. So thank you so much, Shelly, for joining us on today's uh, Big Blend Radio Show. You can keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. But we do have a song to play for you because you're in Texas. Now, I don't know thank if you, you Texas-style Zydeco up in Dallas, but this is from our friend Shelly King out of Austin, and she is the first lady of music of Texas. Uh, she has performed at the, uh, you know, the, you know that big music show, the, the Austin music show that they have on TV. She's been on there. She's been everywhere. She is awesome. And uh, this is from her album called Fan Faves, and it is called Texas Style Zydeco. So we're getting down and doing some Zydeco. So enjoy that. And I think... Zydeco music, I think Rosé goes with that. I'm just going to say, I think we could do that. If we're going to have a party, Rosé will go well. So here it is, some Texas Zydeco. Thanks so much. You take care, Shelly. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Here it is, Texas Style Zydeco. You can keep up with Shelly King at ShellyKing.com. we got to do a Shelly, too, right? See, that was the other thing. There you go. <laughs> do Shelly's. Here's a cheers to Shelly's. South of Houston on 288 Hot and humid Gulf Coast day Dirt road drive Roll the windows up We'll find this place With any luck Saturday night Crawfish boil Two cowboys For every girl At two
Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.